Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business Podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Today, I'm with Angela Perkins. She's a technically a first-time guest on the podcast, though we did a short little segment on peer groups not too long ago. It's good to have you, Angela. I'm happy to be here. So we're talking about refocusing your HR department. I ran across a Forbes article that talked all about this, and this is our world. So I thought, who better than our vice president of sales and marketing to come on and talk about it? You're talking with employers all the time, so you hear the pain points, how they're doing HR. I mean, you hear all the stories. Absolutely. So you have good context for this. Let me kind of set the stage though. So personally, I feel like employers are in like three different buckets as to how they treat HR. Some of them don't value it and they just see it as like something that they could get away with not doing forever. And so people, the employers grow until they get to 50, 60 employees as we sometimes see without HR. And they start feeling pain after that point. Mm -hmm. When they do have HR, some of them feel like it's an administrative function. They truly treat it as such. And then the others, they see it as like there's a partnership between HR and it's a strategic function in the organization. Those are like clear buckets, but I think it's probably there's some truth, a combination of all those things. Some people, and this is where the Forbes article comes into play, some people believe that HR should be replaced or absorbed by other business functions. But from your perspective, why is this not a good idea? Well, you know, I have a hard time overall with carte blanche anything, all or nothing, right? So when reading the article, it was interesting because I can side with him in many cases to say it needs to be absorbed, but that doesn't mean replaced. It means adopted by the managers and supervisors that are supporting that company, in my opinion. So really the concept is HR is not a siloed function inside any business or shouldn't be anyway, because it spreads across every performer, every talent inside that organization. So if it's a siloed department and it's HR is over there and they're responsible for these 17 things and it doesn't affect the rest of the organization, I don't think that it's uh, performing as well as it could. And instead, if it's taking a look at the horizontal effect of HR across a company, then there is some absorption of responsibility inside different departments. I don't know if that's really what the intent of the article was. That's just my spin on it, because I think really the intent of the article was, does it or does it not have to be its own thing? Does the HR department have to exist as it sits today in many organizations? And I think it's not a fair answer to say yes or no. Yeah. One of the points I was bringing up earlier is like there's some companies that just don't value HR. And it's probably more of like they don't know what they don't know. And so a lot of times as a small company, you grow without HR. And it's just the duties, uh, to your point, where like, they're spread amongst the other functions of the or- sure. organizations. The managers have to do certain things. But there's no – like I, I always feel like the HR is like this this hub to develop all these processes. Mm-hmm. And this could be strategic, but it can be administrative as well. But, I mean, where where do you see most employers kind of – 
landing in nowadays? You know, it's, it's, I love this job because of this. I see and hear all kinds of different things. And, and I'll pull a thread on something you said, which is some employers don't value HR. I would almost rephrase it to say they don't know what HR is really capable of doing for their business. So when employers are like, ah, we don't need dedicated HR resources, they haven't been able to experience what some of the strategic work that can be done out of an HR department can actually provide in terms of results. It doesn't have to be all compliance. It's not about posters on the wall. It's about what's the result coming out of some of the work that comes through an HR department. So, you know, circling back to your question, what do I see? I see everything. I see employers that say, I have 11 employees and I want a full-time HR presence because I know how important our culture is. And I know what that means to retention and attraction of new talent. I see 150 person companies saying, we don't want dedicated resources and we want a call as we need kind of HR team. And honestly, in those scenarios, generally speaking, those companies are more developed on their manager and supervisory teams than some of the other companies that do have in-house dedicated HR. Because what they've done is distributed the work to the managers to say, you are responsible for our culture. You are responsible for the process. You are responsible for the new hire's experience at onboarding. So it works. I mean, I think honestly, in all cases, I've seen it work with no dedicated. I've seen it work with slim mm. pickings in terms of the HR team or staff on site. I've seen what you might consider overstaffed in HR work brilliantly for a company. So I think it is all dependent on the culture and what the results that that company is looking for from their people. Because that's ultimately what HR is responsible for is attracting, retaining, and developing talent. Something I've seen you do in the last few years as we've expanded our offerings, uh, we have this on-site model where it makes things a little bit more complicated. We're more of an outsourced HR function, but you know a lot of these bigger companies that just need an on-site presence. They, they need somebody there day to day. So what I've seen you do is you've developed this matrix of like clear responsibilities by at the client level. Mm -hmm. So what is there, if it's an HR person, what are they responsible for? What are we responsible for as a strategic HR partner? What is the on-site HR person responsible for? So like there's a clear division of duties mm -hmm. uh, by function, whether it's culture, whether it's recruiting, whatever, whatever it may be. Do you think employers who maybe have a little bit of HR Outsource function aside, sure. in-house HR or no HR, do they have a clear picture of what the duties of HR are? I know that's a big question, but yeah. do you feel like they have a clear understanding of what those duties Probably are? Probably not. Um, those companies that I visit with tend to, particularly at the high level, so at the C-level chairs, they're not really sure what's happening. They just know it's working, mm. right? Or it's not, and that's why they've maybe called us in. Generally speaking, there is usually some assumption that certain things are handled by certain people. And then when you really get into it, we, we actually have a project that we conduct for a company that's an HR structure assessment. So it literally gets into the HR department functionality. There's lots of redundancies at times found um, when you really dive in and say who's responsible for what. It's funny because what I said earlier is it really needs to flow across the organization. But this whole concept of having clear definition of who is responsible for what is a foundation for everyone to understand where's your accountability. As a manager here at Zenium, I know my accountability separate from our internal HR team or, you know, we have a lot of HR internal HR team because we're an HR company. So we have a lot of people with a lot of ideas, but I know my responsibility to my team. And if an HR function is fuzzy and no one knows really who's responsible for what, really it's the employees that pay for that. 
as well as the the outcome, right? So yeah. the results of your your HR structure. I ask you that question because I don't know about you, but oftentimes, like when you're trying to explain what HR is to a, f- a friend or a family member who just is, it's not their world. You try to sort of dumb it down for them. And I always explain like, you know, there's really two sides to HR. There's like this admin side, there's like compliance, there's tracking, there's payroll, benefits, admin, all that stuff. Then there's the strategy side of it, Mm -hmm. culture, people, recruiting, all those things. Where do you think most employers treat HR? Well, in the small business space, I would say definitely on the HR admin Admin side. side, Yeah, Yeah, it's tactical. It has to get done. So it's, you know, it has horrible nicknames like, oh, what are they? Department of no. (laughs) Well, it's the police. It's the, the administration becomes the necessary evil we've heard, right? That is horrible. <laughs> we yeah. we don't want to think of HR in that way. There are some fundamental administrative tasks that have to happen. You have to pay your people. Payroll has to occur. And that isn't generally speaking an HR function. More and more companies are leaning to putting that into the accounting department. And that actually was referenced in that Forbes yeah. article that we read. You know, it seems to work well when that does occur. The challenge is it's, again, not all or nothing. There is so much dependency on HR and payroll to work together to have that administrative function go well. So even if you say, oh, we're going to slide payroll over into accounting, you're not getting rid of it as the HR leader. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is so much dependency on your two roles um, within the company that you're always going to have a hand in it. But the smaller the company, the more painful that administration is. And so therefore HR becomes it. It's a drain on resources a lot of times. And you and I joke about this all the time, like, oh, it'd be great if we could just spend all our time doing strategy. But I mean, the the reality is admin's going to touch us no matter what. And I think with a small company, it's just, it's tougher because those admin things have to be done. The compliance, the tracking, the admin. And there's usually not enough resources to even get that done at peaks and valleys, right? So there's peaks of time, say you onboard 10 employees, then all of a sudden you're drowning in new hire paperwork and employee setup and benefits meetings and all of those things that go along with it. So it doesn't leave a lot of time for the strategy. That's for sure. And you talk about the drain of the admin has on the strategy side. So let's say like we're, or we're a small company, we've got one HR person and they're dealing, they're basically splitting their time, probably not evenly between admin and strategy. How frustrated can an HR person get when they're sitting, sitting there doing admin all day? Oh, very much so. You, you talk about and you hear about people wanting a seat at the table, right? So internal HR wants a seat at the table. But when they're responsible for 75% of their job as administrative, it's really hard to earn themselves a seat at the table because they are spent in behind the scenes work that really doesn't get a lot of credit. It just assume everything, everyone assumes that those things are going to get done. And it takes a lot of time to get some of that um, completed. So to earn yourself a seat at the table, you need to be providing value and demonstrating results that are beyond, Hey, I happened to get payroll processed again today, or look how many new hires I added. Um, or, you know, even to the degree of recruiting and look how many folks I screened. All of those things are so critical for a business to run. Some of them at the high level are undervalued. So how do we get HR at the table? It's by illustrating results from the people. And that's all strategy stuff. You have to get the baseline of administration managed and give yourself enough time to spend on the strategy or hire to it or augment it. But there has to be space in order to get some of that done. We've talked in the past about Sometimes it really matters how where HR is reporting to, whether it's like a president, CEO, mm-hmm. 
VP of people, whatever, like how, however big the company is, it, it probably makes a difference. But, and then in other cases, the reporting to like a financial professional where most of them, I'm overgeneralizing, most of them treat it as a transactional administrative function. Do you feel like it matters? Where, who, where HR is reporting yeah, to? Yeah, I do. Um, it's funny. I, if any of my favorite CFOs out there are listening, this doesn't <laughs> pertain to you, yeah, but exactly. they've already in bought general, into ideas. in general, if HR is, is reporting into the CFO, it's a statement for the company. So the accounting and finance division of any company is responsible for expenses and strategy around profitability and all of those things. If you put slide HR underneath that, it makes it a cost center. And generally speaking, you've heard HR called overhead. So if there's a report to that's going directly to the leader of the company, there's an illustration to the wider company that says HR is as important. So put on the same playing field as all of those other division leaders, VP of sales, CFO, COO, and director of HR. If they're all on the same playing field, the beautiful thing that that communicates to the organization is we value people. We value, we people, value yeah. HR. Um can it work in other structures? Absolutely. And we've seen it work well. And, and we have lots and lots of um, folks that we work with on the C-level, you know, controller position, CFO position that HR reports into. And because of the flavor and the culture of that company, there is more, you know, freedom to have that HR strategy at play, even though it's coming in underneath the financial division of the company. Do you feel like the trend is there where it's HR is getting the seat at the table and they're getting recognized as, as a strategic function that can actually grow the organization? I would say so. I mean, in, just in my tenure here, I've seen a lot more HR reports to the mm-hmm. owner or mm, president. Interesting. And they're often peeling it out from underneath that financial position. And I think it's, again, because the leader of the company is the talking head, if you will. So it's the one that should be guiding and driving the culture from a speaker perspective, mm-hmm. at least, the employees can see the vision of the company through the CEO. If HR is, is right there, then there's connection and there's alignment of what different kinds of processes and procedures are going to roll through HR. They're going to only do supporting of that culture statement that that mm-hmm. CEO is living up to. So let's expand on that a bit. So the Forbes article that we're, we're referring to, they they talked about Things that could be offloaded from HR, and they talked about stripping admin duties such as payroll, benefits administration, record keeping, getting rid of those sort of things, so that way HR can focus on strategy. What? How do you do? Buy that? You know, I do. Kind of like what I said earlier, all or nothing. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I I struggle a little bit with. Let's just kind of kick it over. In a perfect world, could you literally push that over? But think about it. Think about outsourcing, so to speak, the communication of everything that would normally go underneath HR over to marketing. So there's still going to be such a partnership between those two departments that you're never really going to truly rid yourself of that responsibility because it's so interconnected. And we already talked about that same story with payroll and HR. So many dependencies, those two functions are so dependent upon one another. So what I would say I would spend more time doing if I were the owner of a company and I was saying, how do I set up my HR infrastructure, it's right work, right desk. So how can we get the right functions on the right desk within the staff and talent that we have? So is it appropriate? Is my accounting department capable of managing payroll and benefits administration? And is that the better place to put that workload? Then in that case, there's obviously going to be that connection to HR because it's feeding the hires and the terms and all of that kind of just then dovetails into a process. 
But if that's not the case and you don't have bandwidth there, then is the HR person or team that you have, are they properly skilled? Are we having a lot of payroll issues? Are there, is there not buy-in? Have they been hired for a different job and now they've been tossed payroll? All those things affect performance. And when performance is affected at the HR level, then again, you have a trickle-down effect across the whole organization. So, you know, to answer your question pointedly, I, I don't know about just a cliff of saying, hey, and I, and I certainly don't recommend to any HR professional walk into your CEO's office tomorrow and say, hey, by the way, I'm done doing payroll. I think it's a strategic conversation to say, what's the overall structure of who's doing what work? And mm-hmm. do we have the right talent doing the right functions? Because payroll's not going to go away. Benefits admin's not going to go away. Filing's not going to go away. Who's doing that work yeah. and just structure it that I, way? To put a bow on what you just said, I feel like it's it's more about like who's owning this function, but we know that there's still an interdependency between other functions in the organization. Like you talked about like the marketing piece where internal communication, like here's an example, like the other day, somebody from our HR team was like, hey, our recruiter, Kathleen, she, she said, hey, I need to develop this benefits piece where we can highlight in the recruiting process what are Zenium's benefits and and so she worked she and I worked together to develop something that was candidate facing yep. that highlighted in a in a cool clever way what our benefits are and and kind of highlighted our culture as a result i couldn't see marketing just owning that and i couldn't see hr necessarily just owning that either i feel like somebody needs to own it but work with the appropriate department to get those things done. Absolutely. Leveraging resources. So think about it. It's what we do across the organization, no matter what. So in my role, I'm not going to create my own financials. I lean on our financial services team for that. I leverage my resources, but buck stops here on some of the data that comes out of that. Same thing. So HR is responsible for attracting talent. They're not a writer. They're not creative. Maybe, maybe they are, but maybe they're not. And if you have a department that that's their jobs, why are you not seeking them out for some subject matter expertise? It happens every day. And I think maybe it's that we've tried to silo HR so far over. That's the HR department's job that we haven't lent them the resources that we give to the other pieces of our organization. Because why can't they pull on marketing for those kinds of things? It makes sense. Why wouldn't they resource their accounting team if they're having a hard time balancing out a garnishment or something? So even if they're not handing it off, it's really leaning on that subject matter expertise. So if we talk about HR should be more strategic and focus on more of the people processes, you've got your pulse to a lot of the clients and across different industries and different sizes. So you, you know exactly what employers are wanting. In your mind, what, what should HR be focusing on? Results. So at the end of the day, every business owner wants results. They don't want to hear about compliance hmm. scares or things that are maybe going to happen or what we should be doing because there was a bully, you know, Bureau of Labor and Industries training and somebody went to it and now they're scared. It's all about results. So do we want to improve certain metrics that we have across the organization? What's our retention rate of our employees? How are we focusing on our staffing, strategic staffing plan for our growth? Do we have some of those things baked? Those are the kinds of things that the owners of the businesses that we work with want to talk about. They want to know that the baseline work is being managed, the day-to-day is taken care of, and we want to talk about the future forward and what are the things that the HR department and HR team can do for me so that I'm better prepared for growth, for what's around the corner, for what I don't know, all those kinds of things. 
if we're talking about like refocusing the HR department, who's involved in that process? Mm -hmm. That's hard because I don't believe that a refocus of the HR department is possible if you don't have buy-in from the top level. So it really starts there. And, you know, you can build a case and you can give your, your advice and your guidance. But at the end of the day, if there's not alignment at the top, you're going to have a hard time realigning duties because it's going to affect more than just your own department. So I would say the idea is going to come from the in-house HR teams or who's responsible for the HR functions. But then it really is a collaboration with the management teams. That's good, good stuff, Ange. I, I want to give you the last word. Anything you want people who are listening to know just about the subject, about what what you know, about what you've heard, anything that's just kind of parting wisdom? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we have about an hour left. Is that yeah, right? right. <laughs> um, no. I, you know, I would just leave with this. HR is changing because it's all about people and people change. There's nothing dynamically staying the same. So if folks are listening and saying, oh, you know, HR is fine at my organization, I would say poke that a little bit and try to see if there isn't more results you could drive out of your HR function because there is so much to be had there and so many great results to experience through people. And we need to keep morphing with what's changing. And there's a lot of focus on millennials in the workplace and what are those folks contributing to the workplace. And it is changing. What we need to focus on is different and always being prepared to have your mind changed, I think is an important thing just in the world of HR today. Well said. And I, and I will tell listeners, she knows what she's talking about. She's been, you've been here 18 plus, it'll be 18, 18 years. years. So I started when I was 12. I just want to clarify. (laughs) Exactly. So you, you mean, you've been talking with business owners and, and presidents and C-level people and HR people forever. And uh, so you really, you do have your pulse um, on most of these small, medium-sized businesses, and I think you know what you're talking about. So I'm glad, I'm glad and thankful that you're on the podcast today. To talk Thanks about for this. having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc., For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.